Happy holidays, everybody, from me, Brian McWilliams at Electric Liberty Land. And speaking of the holidays, I want you to check out one of our top sponsors, Ammo.com. Not only for gifts for loved ones, because, hey, everybody needs ammo, even your Aunt Nellie. But also, who knows if that's Santa up on the roof with those reindeer? Who knows if that's him or a burglar? Private property rights, protect those, man. Ammo.com. Not only are these guys fantastic libertarians, and you will note that if you go to their website, you're going to see a lot of articles, libertarian-themed charities, everything, because that's why these guys came to us. We didn't come to them. They came to us because they are libertarians. They wanted to support a show that has their values in mind, and thus, here we are. And by the way, if you go spend $200 or more at Amazon.com, you will get $20 off and extra bonus, 1% of your sale. And that's the whole thing, not just the net revenue. 1% of the sale goes to a libertarian charity of your picking. They've got a bunch of them listed on the website, so you can pick and choose which ones you want to support. Visit ammo.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hello, my little sugar plums, my little love dumplings. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 102, a very powerful number, if we're being perfectly honest. Huge, the best number. So yeah, welcome to the show, everybody. Again, I am Brian McWilliams, and this is the finest libertarian variety show on this here podcast feed. I know a lot of people out there have started their own variety podcast feeds, as the Lions of Liberty have done, but we are the OG, baby. We were the first. We are the best libertarian variety show. Just to remind you, there are three different formats. We have Mark Clare every Monday doing in-depth interviews of leaders of the libertarian movement. Me, Brian motherfucking McWilliams, here on Wednesdays at Electric Liberty Land, kicking ass, taking names, keeping the damn lights of liberty on. And of course, John Odie Odermatt on Fridays with Felony Fridays, baby. We are the OGs in this here variety scene. Anyway, welcome to the show, guys. Thank you for joining us. I, uh, I'm still battling a, a fucked throat, <laughs> by the way. I think last week when I was here, I had a, a sore throat from hooting and hollering when I was at my buddy's bar, now I just have a cold because we are deep into the drinking season. And I think I've been drinking just every single day since Thanksgiving. And as such, I have gotten a little bit uh, worn down from all the revelry. And of course, hanging out with people that have colds also doesn't help. And I happen to hang out with uh, like three or four different people that had colds in intimate situations. Not uh, not like an orgy, (laughs) mind you. But like in enclosed in a car, in my office here, working on a, a screenplay, you know, just breathing a circular air like you're trapped in an airplane, except there's no ventilation. So here I am. Uh, I'm sick. So I'm just going to power through it. I do owe you guys the longer episode. And uh, the good news is, for me anyway, is that I managed to record with my buddy Dan Smots a uh, nice South Park chat because you'll notice the episode is titled Has South Park Gone Socialist? So we're going to break that down. I'll bring him on and and cut to that because we do a regular broadcast for our patrons over on Patreon and uh, Patreon. I always get shit for saying it wrong, man. Damn it. I like to say it my way. But for our patrons on Patreon, we uh, put out a weekly show where we do a South Park recap and uh, discussion. So 
You guys get a special bonus. I'm going to include that faux free just for you. Call it a Christmas gift. Come early. And I uh, hope you'll enjoy that. And that'll save my voice from just completely giving out and me being sick another freaking week. All right. So top of the show, I want to get into some things that it, this is a story that I read a few weeks ago. I didn't have a chance to talk about it because I had a guest on. I had uh, Liberty Memes on. Then last week, I was just straight shit canned with my voice. So I finally want to turn my attention to finally some good work coming out of these Ivy League schools. These Ivy League bastards. Hey, you like apples? Hey, you like these apples? Anyway, I like the apples that they're putting out lately because the apples have included a uh, paper that came out of Yale and also the Yale School of Management and was done in conjunction with a professor at Princeton. Uh, Susan Fisk of Princeton University, which is uh, the closest Ivy League to where I grew up. Good old Princeton. I lived in uh, Bucks County. Yardley Morrisville, if you're familiar. But they did some studies reviewing all of the campaign language from the past 25 years. And that's included scanning 74 speeches and half were addressed to mostly minority audiences. These are things like, you know, Hispanic caucuses or black church groups, something like that. And then they composed or they transposed that with ones that were addressed to majority white audiences. And they looked at Democrats and Republicans. I'm guessing they didn't look at any libertarian speeches because I think that we pretty much talk to everybody the same way. And that's, <laughs> as I've complained about before, typically in a manner where they probably can't relate to it because we're talking well over their heads. And uh, <laughs> that's not to do with the choice of words, but more with the concepts we are touching on. But anyway... The findings of this were pretty damn interesting. And what they found was that these white liberals who addressed minority audiences would really dumb down their words. So they analyzed the uh, text of these speeches, as I'm quoting from this Yale Insights article, uh, for two measures, words related to competence, that is, words about ability or status, such as assertive or competitive, and words related to warmth, friendliness, such as supportive or compassionate. And what they found is that Democratic candidates use fewer competence-related words in speeches delivered to mostly minority audiences than they did to those for white audiences. Republicans, by contrast, did not. They actually spoke to everyone as though they were on equal footing. And perhaps that's because conservatives view the, uh, the world as more, you know, you are who you are. Everybody has the same uh, ability to excel based upon your own personal goals, your own personal drive. Uh, that sort of thing. Whereas Democrats look at the world as in, well, some people uh, got it, some people don't. So we have to force everybody to be equal. So they're really dumbing things down because they figure, well, our constituents, they don't have the benefits of the whiteies, which of course is racist. And this is my problem with, with progressives as a whole is that so many of the ways in which they look at the world and the policies they put into play are in fact exceedingly fucking racist. So anyway, this is the basic finding of this, and it really, <laughs> it really rings true, especially when you think about like Hillary Clinton, and when she's on black radio stations, she adopts this Southern accent. She's just talking about having hot sauce in her purse. You know, it's like this pandering where these are they're pandering to an audience because they don't want to challenge them in any way. Now the Democrats they say, oh well, we don't want to use this these competitive words because that might make them feel like they have to be competitive. And if they start to feel like they have to be competitive, they don't. What do they need the government for? Not only that, but I'm sure they're also avoiding letting these people know that they are being addressed by a liberal elite white person who has had all the benefits in life handed to them. That's typically these people that are the democratic elites, the ones that are running for office. 
These aren't people that are everyday you and me's. These are people that have been groomed. Again, the Hillary Clintons of the world. The Bernie Sanderses, who has never worked a day in his life of the world. These are the people that are addressing them and trying to say, oh, I'm with you. I'm one of you. And you don't want these black people or these Hispanic people to wake up and say, you're not like me, man. You're talking about competition. You haven't had any competition in your life. You've coasted by based on your associations, your relationships. I mean, give me a fucking break. So I'm sure that has something to do with it, too. Well, again, the conservative side views everybody as, all right, you have this equal right. You have this equal opportunity. You just have to make it. You know, you need to you need to take that on yourself to take advantage of the opportunities as they're presented to you or to create your own opportunities. Now, I'm not saying that everyone has the same opportunities in life de facto because that would be ridiculous. Of course, there are people that have more advantages and less advantages, whether that be intelligence, whether that be uh, based upon socioeconomic status, which I argue, well, I don't even argue. It's a, a fact that, again, keeping a family unit together is the fastest way to improve your socioeconomic status. But anyway, you see the tactics they use, and it's just, it's so insulting and it's so racist when you see it play out. And I just had to laugh because this article or this study came out, and then within like a week, you had one of the, this, this woman, Senator Maisie Hirono from Hawaii, she has said some of the dumbest things. I mean, she's really given Maxine Waters a run for her money as far as biggest idiot out there. But this is my favorite thing that she just said. It, it, I don't even know how long. She says that Democrats have a hard time connecting with voters because of how smart they are and because they know so much. That's why maybe you have a hard time connecting with voters because you're arrogant fucks who think that they know how to tell everybody else what to do and how to do it rather than letting people live their lives. I mean, is there anything more condescending than that? I'm sorry. I'm sorry you didn't vote for me. Maybe it's because you're too much of an idiot. We just, you just, I just don't know as much as you. So that's why I'm not voting for you, Democrats. I mean, it's just, it's insulting to the people that voted for Trump because it's again playing into Hillary Clinton's statement that these are the deplorables. You know, these are the uneducated, uh, idiotic whites in the middle of the country or the women, the self hating white women that vote against their own interests that the Democrats keep pushing. I mean, if she expects this to help their cause, I, she, I, I don't even understand how you could arrive at that conclusion. You're basically calling anybody that doesn't think the way you think an idiot and rubbing into their face that you look down on them from your perch as a state, as a uh, senator. You're now looking down upon these masses. You're thinking that they're they can't, can't capable of governing themselves. They can't. They're incapable of uh, running a business aren't capable of deciding what should or should not go in their own bodies, aren't capable of deciding who they want to marry. What sexual positions are all right? Because let's not forget that before everybody jumped on the gay marriage bandwagon, libertarians were the only people on it. The Democrats were against it. The Republicans were against it. And I guarantee you, going back to the days when sodomy was outlawed in these, outlawed in these uh, counties or blowjobs or whatever else, winking at a, uh, a single woman, the Democrats are just as complicit as the conservatives in making the stupid bullshit laws. So give me a break. And thinking that Democrats are just too smart for people to get behind, especially when you have Democrats, who, when you look at the cities these people have run, when you look at the Detroit, you look at the Atlantis, you look at all these places that are heavily controlled by Democrats, the Californias, the Los Angeles of the world, any place, any state, any city that has been under a strict Democratic control is a goddamn nightmare, a budget nightmare, a civil liberties nightmare. 
It's just, they turn them into these big brother nanny states, and it's obscene. But yet we're supposed to believe that these people just know so much more than all of us that we should just lay, lay just lay on our backs, let them just pat our little bellies, tell us it's going to be okay, make them nice and pink, let them go about their duties, ruin our lives, make sure the nanny state expands to the point where we can't possibly rein it in, which it probably already fucking has, for being perfectly honest. I mean, why, I, uh, I, just, I, I don't get how even a Democrat can watch this sickening display and be like, yes, it's true. I mean, it's, it's all the ego-based world that we live in. People vote with their ego. That's why people can't take any sort of uh, backtracking on anything Trump does. If you're a Democrat, you can't say, okay, well, you know, it doesn't look like there's any Russia collusion going on. And the, uh, a narrative which, by the way, has been abandoned by the media because I'm not seeing any Russian collusion talk now. Now it's all talk about, oh, well, Trump was, you know, he, he must have known about these other minuscule crimes like trapping people in lies that Mueller's doing where you're investigating uh, collusion, but you're basically inventing a crime by interviewing people and then catching them in lies during the interview. So the crime wouldn't have happened if you didn't have the interview. I mean, it was just madness. Madness. But because of people's egos, they can't see that. They can't acknowledge that. Because if, God forbid, if you're wrong, your ego will implode upon itself. And the Democrats look at this, they probably say, look at this Hirono statement, and they say, oh, yes, all these people who voted for Trump know less than me, even though I tell you, man, some of the absolute most ignorant people I know are without a doubt progressives because they just simply drink the Kool-Aid. They have absolutely no interest in finding the truth of the matter. They have no interest in, I mean, and look, this is on the conservative side as well. People who just watch Fox News are in the same boat. But I feel like, Progressives just because they identify so deeply on an emotional level with what they are spewing, they simply cannot grasp. They cannot change. It would be a world-shattering, brain-melting experience should that happen. I mean, it's like I mentioned. I had a buddy who I, <laughs> you know, I popped his bubble because he was talking about this global warming study about the ocean warmth. And how all this war, all this uh, the warm weather had been absorbed by the oceans, and that's why there was a lull because there still is a statistical lull, and that had been explained by the oceans retaining more warmth. And everybody's talking about it. Everybody in the media, my buddy's talking about it. And it took me about four seconds. God bless technology and my uh, Google availability on my Apple phone, which you know, fuck Google and fuck Apple for their censorship. But convenient in this instance, I'm able to pull up a Washington Post piece that says, "Oops." debunked. And you know what? I'm impressed the Washington Post even covered it. But it debunked. Oh, there was a math error. None of this is true. The oceans have not been retaining more heat. All bullshit. There's, you know, the, the Washington Post is one of the few that I saw that actually did a good retraction on it. Wrote a whole new piece saying this was wrong. But had my buddy, had my progressive buddy known about it? No, of course not. Of course not. Just whatever buys into the narrative. And speaking of let me take a quick sip of my delicious lemon, ginger, and honey to keep my tonsils and my uh, vocal cords vibrating for you. But another study came out, and this is from uh, Harvard. That's what I'm saying. These, these Ivy Leagues, man, they're not letting me down as of late. And this is from Harvard. Basically, they did a study wherein they looked at gender choices. They're trying to debunk the wage gap. And now we know this has been debunked so many times, so many times, despite the fact that 
I had another argument with another buddy of mine <laughs> driving back from San Diego where I lost my voice the first time. And we agreed to disagree. I'll leave it at that. But uh, it doesn't matter how many times you debunk it, but they did a new study wherein they put a pure apples to apples scenario together, looking at a, the uh, transportation authority in Massachusetts Bay. It's a union shop, right? Uniform hourly wages for men and women. And here's the exact same rules, exact same benefits, and workers are promoted uh, based on seniority rather than performance, right? So seniority rather than performance even. So what happened? Well, guess what they found? They found that women tended to work less because they opted to take shifts that would allow them to have more private time, have more weekends off, have more Fridays off. They also took time off to take care of babies, to have more time with family, whereas the men didn't. Male train and bus drivers worked 83% more overtime than female colleagues. They were twice as likely to accept an overtime shift, which pays time and a half on short notice. They also took 48% fewer unpaid hours under the Family Medical Leave Act. So, I mean, what are we talking about here? And, and of course, what was the findings? Oh, they found that there was a wage gap where women only made 89 cents to a man's dollar. Wow! You mean the exact same number that they keep throwing out there? Because it seems like this, this study perfectly debunks that to a T. I mean, you can't throw a dart at fucking bullseye. But yet we still have people saying, oh, no, it's, it's discrimination. Oh, it, but women just don't get promoted. Oh, well, there's only male CEOs, which every one of those arguments is idiotic. Every one of them. There were just more male CEOs because men were in the workforce more, like earlier than women. So you had male CEOs and there were only 20 probably big, powerful male CEOs. You've watched an explosion of female CEOs in the past 10, 12 years. Why? Because women that are now in the workforce earlier, that are in those industries, are getting promoted. It's not a sexism thing. It's just pure merit. And if they decide to, you know, some of these women are going to take time off, they're not going to be promoted as fast as other women. Some of these women are driven. Not, you know, We're not saying that across the board, women all take time off to have kids. That women all tend not to go for jobs that are in you know, technology or in big business or whatever else you want to do. But I'm sorry, a lot more women do opt to go towards lower paying industries like social work, like teaching. These are just, you know, these are just pure, simple facts that people like to paint as some sort of grand patriarchal conspiracy. And thank God we've got another new, new uh, report that debunks it, which of course will go completely unread, unheralded by the media and ignored by feminists. But anyway, I still, I tip my hat to you, Harvard. Good job. Okay, let me cut so I can get a little break on my voice here. I want to talk about this South Park episode. This just aired. So this aired last week because this episode obviously is airing today. I can't talk about the episode as it's happening on the day it's happening. Uh, so we do a little recap show again. Me and Dan Smots, who is over at the System is Down podcast. And Dan loved this guy. He did a lot of our graphics. He did our T-shirt designs. So if you want to go to the uh, lionsofliberty.store, you can pick up a beautiful t-shirt design there. We got sweatshirts now. We got all of this, all the beautiful stuff. And he also is a man who uh, is one of our earliest listeners. He's been a supporter of the podcast for a very long time. And actually, I can boast that we uh, inspired him to start his own podcast, which is The System is Down. And it's just awesome. They get in all sorts of conspiracy stuff. They do anti-news. It's, it's a really great show. So I recommend it highly. And as I said, Dan and I do a little bonus content for our 
Patreon subscribers and uh, talk South Park every week to look at what's going on. This used to be a lot more fun because the libertarians, quote unquote libertarians, that ran South Park and wrote South Park, created South Park, had some great shows. But things haven't stayed that way. Anyway, let me get into that, and I will be right back with you a few more news stories after this. We don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. Those epic words from Archilochus can sum up your ability to succeed or fail in business. I want to recommend Conversation Mat Time to our listeners as a way to hone your one-on-one conversation skills in a role-playing session that can help take you to the next level. During 25-minute sessions, you'll work through the best way to approach that raise, that interview, or that relationship with a practice professional that will provide the confidence and experience you need to get paid what you're worth or take that interpersonal risk you've never been able to conquer. Just like in jiu-jitsu, the difference between a novice and a black belt is mat time. Train to win. Visit conversationmattime.com and take advantage of a free 15-minute consultation just for listeners of this show. I'm recording. Can I can I use that as our intro music for the show? From <laughs> yes, by all <laughs> means. Hey, hey, welcome back to an extra special, probably George Soros-funded episode of Rotten Potatoes South Park Recaps with myself, Dan Smuts, from the System is Down podcast. And as always, I'm joined by the beautiful, balding, boisterous, benevolent Brian McWilliams from Electric Liberty Land on the Lines of Liberty podcast. Brian, hey, hey. how's it going, man? It's good. I thank you for that compliment. You know, I usually have to fight for the balding <laughs> moniker rather than just bald. So sure. I'm, I'm glad that my uh, my public relations campaign is fighting that. Well, you still got the chin howls. scruff until it starts creeping down. You're not entirely bald. I mean, hold on. <laughs> There's my dog's, dog's howling. Amazon <laughs> fucking delivery. Sweet <laughs> son of a bitch. Amazon, Amazon. ironic. <laughs> fucking knew that was goddamn gonna happen man i fucking knew it you, you said it was probably a package from amazon it was i know what is it's more so meta. should we should we just leave it in yeah that was literally my amazon yeah. my christmas presents and uh another household goods that i needed that i ordered for myself and my wife and yeah. of course it interrupts this episode how utterly appropriate Right on, right on. So, yeah, we're here to discuss the latest episode of South Park, um, Season 22, Episode 9, which is simply titled Unfulfilled. And, uh, Brian, before we get into that, how's your week been since we last spoke? Well, I mean, overall pretty good. We're deep into the drinking season, as I like to call it, between Thanksgiving and New Year's. So it's just been a lot of of drunken shenanigans and... Which is all right because work slows down. So overall, a sure. decent enough week. How about yeah, yourself? I, I would have to agree. It's definitely the the drinking season. I don't know what the weather's like out there, but around here it's like ten degrees outside. So <laughs> there's not really much else to do but sit inside and drink and hope that the internet holds through a Skype chat. Well, see here with uh, with beautiful California, which is actually a little cloudy today, but usually the weather is still like seventy five degrees or seventy during the day. So I can mm. go out in the sunshine. 
uh, amongst the people, but I choose to stay in my house and drink alone for the most part because I hate all the people here. I hate these freaking commie leftists. So I choose to drink alone and enjoy my own company and that of Mr. Jack Daniels. Yep, absolutely. Speaking of commie leftists, uh, episode nine, of season twenty-two, unfulfilled of South Park. Uh, do you want to do you want to give the the brief breakdown before we start sure. picking this thing apart? Yeah, by all means. So basically, this episode kicks off with. Uh, Butter's father, who I just I blank it on his name, but uh, Stotch, whatever, Mr. Stotch. Yeah, he's going off to work and complaining because Butters is taking part in this bike parade. And as such, he wants more decorations, more hoots, more uh, horns, more whatever's for his bike. So he's asking his dad to get him more shit. Stotch is going off to work and he's like, you kids don't appreciate what I get you. Turns out he's working at Amazon. And the reason he's working at Amazon and this whole dynamic with them, kind of like the old factory workers back in the day, including like a prominent Irish factory worker. Yeah, they they make it feel like a coal mine, basically. Right, yeah. And they even use that, like, Stotch goes to work at Amazon and they use that song, you know, you tote 16 16 pounds or what do you get? 16 tons by Tennessee Ernie Ford. There you go. That's how you know he's a musician. Got notes. (laughs) <laughs> yep. So <laughs> better notes than mine. I just watch and jot down. You actually did some research, which I appreciate. Yep, yep. Um, so, yeah. So it's like that whole, you know, I, I owe my soul to the company store yep, because it's a big sobby montage. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's working at Amazon because he goes home and his wife has loves Amazon and he orders stuff on Amazon and it's a joy to get all this Amazon packages. So it's a cycle wherein he is trapped because of his consumerism. Then the B plot is that the boys want to go and take part in this bike race because uh, the lead kid with the nicest bike is pulling all the sweet kid pussy in town. <laughs> so he wants to get his bike all dolled up. And uh, they find Very out Very strange that, sentence, by the way. And somebody's going <laughs> to definitely pull an audio clip out of there of you saying... I'm not going to repeat it because then they can pull is, me saying it. <laughs> this is why I will never host the Oscars, man. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so the kids go and they want to get shit for their bikes, but they decide that they have to do a strike at the factory to get more money and, uh, their situation as laborers, I don't want to give too much away yet as laborers is, uh, unsatisfactory to the, to how they want it to be. The kids can't get their shit on Amazon. So they go to the mall and find the mall people, which are kind of like these Morlock, yep. uh, pale skinned, white eyeballed, you know, husks that used to, used to be full of life that now are just laying in wait at the mall because their purpose is to work. Right. How was that? Fairly, com- I think fairly comprehensive. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. They're, they're making it seem like working for Amazon is like this just nightmare and everybody's die. Like a guy at the beginning gets in a terrible accident and he ends up, uh, we assume he dies in it and they're just, nobody cares. They're, it's kind of like the kid shooting thing in episode one of this season yeah. where they just flippantly, you know, yeah, that's just what happens. Um, so and that, you know, that getting, it didn't an Amazon worker. So it was like a robot at the factory that had hit, you know, hit the guy. And didn't that happen recently? I don't know. I was looking, uh, I briefly checked to see if there was, cause I was wondering like, is this a, a normal issue? Is this a normal occurrence that we keep hearing about? Cause I haven't heard really much about, you know, Amazon workers having it so terrible and, you know, getting into these terrible accidents. I found like one or two accidents that just sound like your typical, uh, my back hurt. And so, you know, they, they didn't upgrade the machine. So blah, 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 your typical factory issues, right. um, nothing that's Amazon specific, but um, yeah, I I mean, as far as I know, uh, I I haven't heard too many things about Amazon workers getting killed and people not mauled caring about and, it. Yeah, mauled <laughs> by robots turned rogue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't either. But yeah, that um, they do. I mean, it, 
they do an interesting job in the beginning being honest about like, you know, Amazon being a good, it's an evil and a good. Yeah. And this episode reminds me a lot of, of the Walmart episode, which is one of the funnier episodes, I right. think, where Randy was working there. But, you know, balancing that with like, okay, yes, uh, Walmart put all these businesses out of, or these, you know, smaller businesses out of work. Mm -hmm. And then becomes this monolith and people go, oh, it's killing all these things. So screw Walmart and they burn it down, you know, and then they all start going to the other drugstore in town, which becomes Walmart because everybody's patronizing that same store. Right. And making the point as well that it's like, well, look, you chose to do this. This isn't anybody's right. choice but yours. You could uh, you could opt to shop somewhere else. People don't. And exactly. I think they do an interesting job pointing that out. Like this is Amazon is a good, you yeah. know, it is a Something like they, you know, at one point in the episode, they threatened to take away people's Prime memberships. Like, that's right. the biggest thing. In the, and, I, and I would lose my mind if I lost my Prime membership. You know? now, now, do you like, think do you that they're one? saying it's a, it's a good or are they saying that it's a necessity? Like, it, because all the, like, you see the mom and pop from the local coffee shop or whatever going in and applying for the Amazon store because they got shut at, run out of business or whatever. Are they saying it's a good or are they saying, like, this dude goes to Amazon to work all day and he comes home and he has to buy from Amazon so he's staying up all night? Are they... Are they? I, I'm not sure if they said it's a good, well, but they definitely said this is a thing that everybody is a part of. Right. Well, they're definitely making a point about the consumer's culture. That's for sure. You know, it's like saying they're, at one point they're they're talking about uh, in the unfulfilled song, which is like in the middle of the episode. Yeah. It hit on the themes like what you have is never enough. All you're left to ask is where my stuff. And it, I mean, it is. It's an addictive shopping culture. I mean, my God, my wife is addicted to buying shit on Amazon sure. to the point where I'm like, stop buying crap on Amazon. <laughs> we don't need all this dump. But, but you do get everything on there. And, and you know, like the, the boys, when they go to the mall uh, at one point to get there, they want to do this, you know, all the four of them together, they want to do a costume wherein uh, the bikes are different eras of migration through the years, which we don't get to see yet, but I think that's going to be next episode. Sure. But they want what four different color coded shoes and different sizes and whatever else in the <laughs> yeah. mall's like, but well, we can't do that. Right. So yeah, of course you've got to use Amazon because it does everything. And so this is not, why the mall is dead. Because right. Yeah, somebody exactly. else can keep the inventory and it's the exact same thing. It's a giant warehouse just like that. And yeah. you don't have to go out to the mall. So yeah, um, I, I did like some of the callbacks, like they had, uh, Cartman was wearing the Buddha box at the beginning from the last right. episode, <laughs> and uh, talked about anxiety and all that stuff. Um, so that was fun, but uh, yeah, uh, let's see here. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, 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 the thing that we're, we're dancing around, so, you know, we, wanna, we don't want to give away, we don't want to blow don't our blow load, load right at yep. the start of it. <laughs> yeah, but is that... There is a... So the man who gets mauled at, at the Amazon factory... Gets pushed into this vat of packing peanuts and sucked down into uh, into this processing machine, who you assume is dead. Turns out is not dead. He is, in fact, now squished into an Amazon Prime shipping box. Yep. And they can't open the box because if they do, his guts will fly out and he'll <laughs> die. But as long as he stays in the box, he's alive. Yep. And he now is taken on the role as the leader of the class struggle in South Park, particularly in regards to the working class versus the elite's. And uh, playing out with Amazon's employees being the working class laborers. And yep. I believe, and, and I'll tell you, tell you some of the lines he says at the beginning, because he's getting interviewed on TV. Mm -hmm. uh, these are some of the lines. Uh, the elite controlling the means of production and, and labor power. Uh, the working class needing to revolt against capitalism. And, quote, free trade is not freedom. Perhaps socialism is the answer. Yep. So, what are your thoughts about that? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't beat around the bush too much. Um, and I can't. I counted. There's at least three 
three basic, basically speeches like that, including the yeah. uh, the dialogue at the end. It's just like this sad voiceover that, I mean, I've gone back and forth on, like, I, I've heard some people say in reviews, oh, they're just showing the different sides of capitalism, socialism, blah, blah, blah. It's like, they didn't say a good thing about capitalism and the whole thing. No. They only showed the uh, the Marxist box, which I, I find it funny that the guy who's in, literally inside a box... Um, is a Marxist, but uh, I'm not sure if that was over their head or not, or if that was intentional. But um, they they did not say a single good thing about capitalism. It wasn't no. showing like it wasn't even making arguments. It was just this guy who's spewing out your typical uh, typical Marxist theology and talk points. Right. Well, and I'll tell. I actually jotted down, typing as fast as my fat fingers could on my <laughs> phone while I was watching the episode, the exact speech at the end. And it's the history of this world is the history of class struggle alienated from the products of their labor and fellow laborers from their very essence. The oppressed worker will eventually strike back at the capitalists who control the means of production. We have nothing to lose but our chains. We, we, we will unite in revolution. Mm-hmm. So that was his end speech. And the workers are behind him and they say, he goes, we'll, we'll follow you. And he goes, all right, then follow me to hell. Right. So, yeah, yeah that doesn't no feel to me like it's. um. It's a, a character trying to make a point that feels like the creator is making a point because it's so like it's, it's so did. in your face. And it's 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 like if uh, Stan had gotten up and given one of his speeches at the end, like that's right. how they wrap it up a lot of times with Stan basically saying what the creators think. And I mean, that's what this felt like. Yeah. And they didn't give him, you know, South Park, a lot of the time they will if they they'll give somebody a point of view. But if they don't necessarily agree with it, they'll give him some sort of funny like they put this guy in a box. That was the whole angle. But he sounds like his narrative voice is like this powerful, you know, strong narrative voice, kind of like a Morgan Freeman esque sound. So it's like inspiring to you. And yeah, there's there's no pushback against it. Kind of like with global warming and man bear pig. What really bugged me was like, you know, they. They gave the counterpoint, kind of, but they didn't take they advantage of some of it. They didn't question it. <laughs> they just gave kind of these general talking points. Yeah, uh, for the man bear pig one, they gave the alternative, like the anti climate change uh, right. spiel, but they did it as poking fun at those people. Like they never Correct. said this is actually a point that people are making. Right. Um, yeah, so the kids order all this shit online for their bikes, and uh, I think it was Cartman says something like, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be just like the old times or whatever. So kind of feels like they're poking fun at, you know, at how terrible convenience is. Like, it's not, it's not like the olden days when we had to go out and uh, yeah. try to find streamers. Like, okay, did, do you have a problem with convenience or what? Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's the thing. I was like, I was a little, you know, I feel like they did make the point about, why Amazon is so powerful and so popular. I mean, you had Butters, you know, when Stotch comes home, Father Stotch, he comes in, he walks in the door, Amazon Prime is on the TV and Butters is watching a movie. His wife has a beater that she needs at the exact time. Like, oh, the box comes in, she keeps beating. So I think they are acknowledging that this is the absolutely convenient and it deserves to to have patronage. Same thing with going to the mall. You know, when they're saying we need these specific things, you cannot get that at the mall. So it is a it has become a necessity for people to operate in the way that we're accustomed to in this in this world where we get stuff quickly. And like, you know, you've got Randy Marsh saying, I own a company. I need the shit off Amazon to run my company. (laughs) Yeah. So on one hand, they are acknowledging like this is the fastest, best means of of getting this for a consumer. Meanwhile, saying that it's also evil. Um, and they, they have – we haven't brought up uh, Jeff Bezos comes to town. Oh, and, yeah, big uh, brain. Yeah, he, he's, he's basically presented as this big, giant-headed, creepy, bald alien with, like, telecommunicate 
perceptive. I think that's a word. Powers. Yeah, it's like yeah, he speaks with his mind. And um, I don't know. What was, what was your thought on that? Well, I mean, it was kind of funny and kind of not funny. I mean, it was basically ripped straight out of a episode of Star Trek, yeah. which will. Which I don't know if you caught that or not, but yeah, yeah. so it's straight out of Star Trek, and I can't remember the name of the episode, but basically it's the one with the guy, the guy who's all mauled up, and Spock goes rogue to steal the Enterprise to return this man to this planet where these big brain aliens lived, and they could make people, you know, they could, anything with the power of illusion, mm-hmm. and uh, which is where like also like that that view thing comes in the viewer window. Yeah, so the anyway, he, they were making fun of that, even with the voice. Yeah, um, I was kind of, I mean. Th- I thought it was a little strange. I, I mean, they did uh, Mark Zuckerberg last year, and it sound—it was just totally off the wall. Sounded nothing like him, <laughs> yeah. and acted really nothing like him. He acts like a robot, but they gave him like the weird kung fu voiceover voice or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, with Jeff Bezos, it was just strange because it's like the guy doesn't sound like Jeff Bezos at all. Like yeah. he had a high, higher pitched voice, and like I don't know about you, but all the the interviews that I've seen with Jeff Bezos, he seems like a pretty chill, down to earth guy. And they made him out to be like this really creepy, yeah, cold. like cold <laughs> uh, alien robot type thing. <laughs> yeah, although they did they did consistently have Bezos say that it was the consumer that came first, which yeah. I I'm curious to see if there's a point to that. Um, yeah. But yeah, also uh, with the Bezos, that was thing, another thing I, that I had down. Are they like saying that that's a bad thing that Jeff Bezos is all about you know you with the person who's buying it? Right. Um, well, that's where that's I know, man. I'm, I'm left with so many <laughs> questions from this episode. Yeah. And with Bezos, too, they missed a prime opportunity. I think like he talks to the mayor and he's like, why are why are the workers not here? You promised me South Park would be a perfect place. They missed an opportunity to comment on, you know, if they are attacking Amazon, mm-hmm. why not go after the crony capitalism that's at play mm-hmm. with these cities making these massive tax deals like in New York and Virginia and everything else to get these centers there in the first place? Right. Which then, if you're worried, you know, if they're making these huge tax deals to then what? Put local businesses out of out of uh, a job if that's the point they're trying to make. Why would they not go after that? Right. Like, I, was, I was a little confused because it's sitting there just waiting for them to to attack it and they did nothing yeah and that takes us back to uh the episode last year where they had the the drug i mean we mentioned it many times if for those who are you know supporters but um they mentioned they had the drugs episode last year where they mm-hmm. seemed like they were leading up to something and the, this kid was gonna like go after big pharma and it was, it was like a big cliffhanger ending and never hear from that kid never again. came back to them. <laughs> big pharma like, got to them they come so close to doing something interesting and said they yeah. just keep scraping the surface or they uh you know just say go socialism but <laughs> yeah yeah. Well, uh, one thing we should uh, we forgot to mention too is that so Butterstotch or, or Stotch's father, uh, he he goes on strike with the rest of the Amazon workers. So they all strike. They're picket lining out front, and Bezos is like, if we take away their prime status and it affects their family that now can't get their products, yeah. they will break. Like they will collapse and and realize that this is a bad idea and go back to work because they need their Amazon Prime. They need their products. And uh, Ray, or, uh, Butter's father eventually breaks because he can't stand the sight of seeing his son not be able to right. get all the shit he needs for this bike race. <laughs> so he goes get in a bus and breaks the ranks, breaks yeah. the picket line. And, and goes uh, I love how they, they act like the the social, uh, the lowest form of society is not having Amazon Prime. Yeah, like I he goes know, in so and tells funny. his wife, oh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're not going to have Amazon Prime yep. anymore. And she's like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember the line USDA you said, choice. But, yeah, but he was, we're he not prime said. anymore. We've been downgraded to USDA yeah. choice. 
Which was yeah. a funny line. His line to her uh, right after that where she said it's going to be okay. And he's like, uh, thank you. I appreciate that. But you're lying and you're a bitch or something like that. It was one of the funniest lines in the episode. But yeah. continue with wherever yeah. you were. But well, so, anyway, so he he does break break ranks and go in while the other ones are outside still, still picketing. And they leave it wherein Stan, Kyle, and uh, Kenny – are at the mall. They find out these mall workers that he goes, why are you still here in this mall where nobody comes to shop anymore to these Morlock mall workers? And they say, what is our purpose? You know, we want to work. That's our purpose. So they then connect the mall workers with Jeff Bezos and say, we've got people that just want to work. They'll come in, put them to work in the factories. And that, and that's where that plot ended for this episode. So this is where I just, I'm not sure if they're, if they're really trying to push socialism, if they've come around, you know, if this is like their first, they're talking about global warming being a real thing. And now they're saying socialism's a good thing. Or if this is really just them, you know, trolling us to an epic right. extent by putting all this. I mean, it's the classic bait and switch where you go, all right, we're really going to piss people off here right. by touting this socialist bullshit and uh, and crapping on it and talking, you know, I mean, taking literally the literal Marxist lines right. and putting them in there and, and, you know, doing this whole education on Marxist philosophy. I just, as much as I've been disappointed in South Park lately, I have to believe, I have to believe that you're this holding is a out job. You're holding out hope. <laughs> I really am. And it just, cause it just seems too over the top. Like I think even South Park, granted the man bear pick episode was over the top and not yeah. and we were expecting that funny. to be a troll job too, since it was a two parter and then yeah. they just doubled down and, repeated the same jokes in episode two yeah i mean at least there were jokes though this is i mean this box is not not nothing in the in the box's monologue was a joke though sure. it's just straight marxist philosophy which that's why i really think that it's just it's too easy they're holding up the target i hope you're they, right <laughs> i mean god damn it if, they, if i'm not right if they are if they do if this episode i'm losing hope through, i'm losing hope i have a hard time agree- believing that that they're not just going down that path but i hope you're right <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, I, hey, living in California, maybe it's maybe it's finally soaked into their brains and they've uh, been Ocasio-Cortezed. Yep. Maybe one of them's having sex with her. I don't know. <laughs> I stopped uh, I stopped looking in those bedrooms a while ago. Once I moved to Hawthorne from Venice, I couldn't uh, couldn't get over there enough. Yep, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, dude, I don't know. It's pretty fucked up though. It, it, it and, is. Yeah, when I watched that, I remember you, like <laughs> you know, I, as soon as I think you watched it, you had uh, texted me or whatever. Just say, you see the shit? shit. <laughs> I know. I saw the same. When it was done, I I think I was just watching alone in my living room. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Right. But then <laughs> the second time around watching it, that's where I feel more confident it's going to be a bait and switch. And they're going to come back. And, and something's going to happen where it's like this box is going to gonna get taken down epically and i, I, I we should put up a poll I and see I what people like make predictions for next week's ep- or it'll be this week's episode actually cause. yeah well hey this one i'm i'm releasing this wide because i don't yeah. want to do the conversation twice going prime time baby going prime time so people get a taste <laughs> of what we do behind the scenes and some of the bonus content that dan and i both put out because yeah. you can get this episode both by joining his uh, system is down podcast supporters, which is on Patreon. Uh, it's called the Downers Club, but just mm-hmm. on Patreon forward slash the sister. Was it TSI pod? <laughs> I fuck this up every time. Every God, single it. time. Patre- <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash the system is down, or you can go to lions or Patreon.com forward slash uh, Liberty Pride. Uh, I don't know. know. <laughs> <laughs> you so funny. Yeah, anyway. So I do have I a couple more points to, to make, though, before we wrap it up. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, I know. Go ahead. 
I, I, I mean, as the, uh, the conspiracy guy here, um, I had to, um, I mean, of course my conspiracy antenna got fully erect when they showed the, uh, Jeff Bezos watching everybody through Alexa view. Um, Oh yeah, that was awesome. You could just tune into anybody's, anybody's world. (laughs) And, uh, I mean, this makes me a total hypocrite, but we do have a an Alexa whatever in our house because my wife won it at some company uh, Christmas party. It better or something. not be in the room when we're recording this. It, shit. It's not. It's uh, it's downstairs in the kitchen, and every time I walk through, I unplug it. <laughs> Good. I used to. My my uh, wife had a Google one. Same thing. It was a gift, and I did the same thing. I would unplug it every time I walked by, yep. and she would get so pissed at me. Yeah, my my iPhone makes me uncomfortable enough, but you know, uh, something that literally is just waiting for you to talk to it. <laughs> You're telling me that it's it's only triggered by, and I, I've of course asked her who's who's listening, and she's like, oh, it's just you know, anytime you say my name, I'm the only person. Shut up, Alexa, get the fuck so out creepy. of here. By the way, just a <laughs> quick tangent. Uh, just speaking of like people, you know, it's always waiting for you to do something or say something to it. Mm-hmm. Somebody made an interesting observation on Twitter, and I can't remember. I, I apologize if it's someone out there that's listening to this. I apologize for not giving you credit, but I was scrolling through and saw it. But it might have even been Tom Woods. But saying that, you know, Twitter is somewhere where, you know, people don't go on Twitter with an opinion. They go on, they go on to Twitter to like find something. Like people are scrolling through Twitter looking for something that piques their interest rather sure. than going on there to make a point, which I, they were saying that's why there's so much outrage and Twitter gets you know, the outrage machine spins so much more quickly on Twitter because people don't go there with a purpose. They go okay. there to basically find a purpose. Sure. Yeah. Would you say that that's different from Facebook or any other social media? I think Facebook people go on there more. I mean, Twitter, I think people actively really go on there to see what else is going on. I think Facebook people more proactively go on there to post shit about themselves to get likes and make themselves feel good. Gotcha. Same thing with Instagram. I don't use Twitter or Instagram all that much, so it's hard hard for me to really weigh in. And even as far as Facebook, I only use our forum and you guys' forum, basically. (laughs) Yeah, I was actually too, I was actually going through my Facebook page today to be like I eventually go every now and then go through and see like what I've posted because I don't remember and it's like been like one thing a month and I'm like good keep it up <laughs> thank you former self for sticking yeah. to it all right sorry I got off of the tangent what what other points did you have it's on all this good episode? it's all good um yeah you had a cliffhanger ending um with Josh mm-hmm. hyping up Josh is the box socialist guy uh, hyping up. You know, everybody fighting capitalism, as we mentioned. Um, cliffhanger ending, I was debating whether or not they would actually move on because they, lately they've been building up cliffhangers and leaving it hanging. But uh, I looked at next week's episode is actually titled Bike Parade. So obviously they're going to stick with it. Fingers crossed that it won't suck balls, but I, I, I'm, I have my doubts. Um, oh, by the way, just a quick side story, too. Sure. I was at a parade yesterday. Uh, watching my Philadelphia Eagles shit the bed in horrible fashion gets, and I know you're not a sports guy, but it really fucking sucked. Anyway, so I'm watching this parade in El Segundo, California, which is like right by where I live now. Bike parade. The saddest parade I've ever seen in my life. Okay. In my life. Like a bike parade would have been infinitely better. And they did have a few bikes going around there, but it was like just the worst. It was like old people driving cars that were, they were supposed to be like sports cars. Yeah. There was a Mazda Miata. A Mazda Miata. <laughs> Not a sports car. Yeah. <laughs> but but I couldn't help thinking, though, there's all these kids and these old people in cars, 
And it brought to mind that episode of South Park where the old people just keep fucking running everybody over because <laughs> they don't know how to drive. I'm like watching this. I'm like, I'm like, this is a this is carnage waiting to happen. Right. Like, this is a farmer's market waiting to be slaughtered. Right old here. people driving in cars blindly behind children riding bikes. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's like obstructed views by floats. Right. Yeah, what what could go that. wrong? Probably horses in front of them shitting all over the place. So the kids are already <laughs> swerving That's around, a, going slower. Yeah, the than tires are, are burning out on horse shit. <laughs> Blood and feces in the streets. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, back to the episode. I would say that my favorite part of the episode was actually uh, the second montage where they had the unfulfilled song because I haven't heard a good Matt Stone, Trey Parker song in a while. There wasn't anything, like, overly funny in it. I think it made some good points. And I have a problem with, like, crazy consumerism, too, which we've expressed in the past. But, um, yeah, like, just the song was... uh, it was good, and just the way they like <laughs> emphasize some of the words, I found to be hilarious. And that's kind of like the only real jokes to me in this episode were there weren't really jokes. There weren't anything yeah. that you'll remember. It was just like certain ways that people emphasized and said certain things. I found I got a good chuckle at and thought were funny. But overall, I yeah. don't think that there were that too many like actual jokes. No, I mean I, the funniest part for me was the was when they went into the mall. I mean, I, I I was cracking up at that. It was yeah. like because the mall is just all run down. It's overgrown <laughs> with vines and mold. And they go in, and there's people. You know, Cartman of course notices Wiener on a stick, right? And he looks <laughs> over, and he's and then one person is like, "Welcome to Wiener on a stick," and it's like all green and fucked up looking. Yeah, and uh, and that that cracked me up. The people that were in the mall still living there, crawling around, at, you know, trying to push lotion and shoes on them and everything else. That yep. cracked me up. Yeah, it was and pretty then good. the other thing, uh, it was, yeah, the USDA Prime and Choice thing I got a little chuckle out of. But yeah, overall, not a very funny episode at all. And yep. again, you know, because it's setting up a second episode, I guess. But just like the last two weeks, who knows if it's going to pay off. Yeah. So, and that's why I don't think I can give this episode a grade either because – it is. I, I'll give it an incomplete because until I know sure. if they're going to follow through with this or not, I can't really grade this episode. Personally, I I have down. I gave it a D. I gave it uh, pretty low because, like I said, uh, well, terrible one sided preaching. Um, South Park is known for shitting on everybody and not even not even not taking a side, but like taking anti all the sides, like being the destructor right, yeah. and saying screw it all, which is. How it well, should just be. be logical. I mean, that's right. why, uh, from liber- a libertarian perspective, that's why we like South Park, and that's why the South Park guys identified themselves as libertarians. Right. Is that they're taking a point of view that's based in logic, based in fact and reason, which is what libertarians excel at. Right. You know, and that takes out a lot of the emotion and a lot of the hoopla and a lot of the overreaction we see from the left and the right on whatever topic it may be. And why, you know, like I was saying in my. My hundredth episode and other episodes we talked about, like taking back comedy is because li- comedy is libertarian. Right. Looking at something from a middle viewpoint without being swayed left or right by the horse shit that's going on is libertarian. And Looking at something and saying, I'll do what I want. Fuck it. you. I'm going to say what I say. And, you know, that yeah. that's what makes people laugh because right. exactly. I mean, even if you disagree with it, if it's somebody like Bill Burr or somebody like that who just like flies off the handle. Even if you disagree with everything he says, it's still hilarious because he doesn't yeah. give a shit. That's what makes good comedy. Right. It's like Adam Carolla, you know, like I, I listen to Adam Carolla's show maybe like once every couple of weeks, depending on the guest. But he just, I like he just rants. He says what he feels. Yeah. You know, like his his when he got into it with uh, Gavin Newsom, who will be the new uh, governor of California. 
It was one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life because he was just screaming at him from a logic perspective about the dumb lines of just leftist propaganda bullshit right. that he was trying to push out there. And it was hilarious. I couldn't get enough of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, so, Brian, do you have any any final thoughts on this before we wrap? Uh, my final thought would be that if South Park does not come around full circle on this and and this isn't a setup that's going to be a smashing of socialist ideals next episode maybe with a I, I may i think this might be setting up an appearance by their version of alexandria ocasio-cortez <laughs> oh shit uh so we'll see fingers <laughs> crossed but if that does not happen and yeah. if they do continue to push this this philosophy forward and they then do nothing to uh, to rebut it, mm-hmm. then this may be the last episode, or next week might be the last episode of South Park that I tune in for. It, it's possible, and I I hope that you're right. Um, I, I hope that we get an Ocasio Cortez or Bernie Sanders character or yeah. something to that effect. But um, I, I mean, we're talking about the show that brings out uh, Caitlyn Jenner on a regular basis and presents her as like a monster, um, right? <laughs> but now they're going to kowtow to socialism and the left hardcore. Uh, if that is the case, then hashtag cancel south park is my final thought but yeah yeah goddamn right man yeah but uh we will see we will see and um i would say that we should both put up polls and uh you know in our forums are yep sounds good you know see what people think do you think that south park is done do you think that they're just hanging up their hat and saying actually this is what we think and you know we're we're just partisan hardcore left or do you think that they're going to bring they're going to south park it and they're going to redeem themselves <laughs> by uh actually presenting this as you know just tear it down we're all we're all crazy stupid animals but um I don't, that's a little long for a poll. I'll probably shorten those uh, options. <laughs> but you post what you fair. wanted. Your forum, you post whatever you want. Your forum. Sure. Dude. I mean, <laughs> I respect my my listeners enough that I, I assume that they will be smart enough to read a whole paragraph. But you can give the readers digest version if you think that's all that the lines I, of liberty post, can handle. We just post pictures in our in our uh, forum. <laughs> just memes of Ocasio Cortez and her her eyes and teeth. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, if you guys want to uh, support the show, uh, this one is free. You're welcome. And Brian, thanks for uh, streaming at prime time on the Electric Liberty Land. Uh, of course, man. My but place. Too long. I, I should have had you. I should have had you on uh, in some shape or form earlier on the main show. Yeah. So it's about I've had time. you on twice, but you know what? Fuck you. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. But it's like it's like Jim Crow era. You know, you're you're, you're probably gonna say two thirds of my podcast. So it's, it's just even it out now. <laughs> Boom. walked into that one but uh yeah if you guys feel like uh supporting the lions of liberty podcast regardless of whatever this was go to patron as brian would say or patreon.com forward slash lions of liberty or if you would like to join the downers club and get way better content you can go to patreon.com forward slash the system is down brian it's been fun yeah, man, always. All right, my friend, I will talk to you later. Ah, good times, good times. We're back. Welcome back. Uh, so I want to get a couple of things before wrapping the show up here. First one is Donald Trump and uh, the mid- military budget. You remember last episode, I talked about how I was impressed by Donald Trump because he said he wanted to cut the military budget by $33 billion keeping it at $700 billion, which is still <laughs> absurd. But he has now retracted that. After talking with General Mathis, he now has said, oh, I'm going up to $750 billion. Now, I'm not sure if this is just 
you know, Math is bringing him in and letting him know that they're going to assassinate him if he doesn't go along with their plans for the military industrial complex. Or this has something to do with the whole wall discussion because Trump met today. He talked with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, good old cuck Schumer. And they had a contentious debate back and forth, even though I do believe that the Democrats have conceded that they will actually give money for the wall, but you're just not allowed to call it a wall. Like you're allowed to call it a fence or a border, but not, you can't call it a wall because that would make too much of a victory for Trump. But anyway, they had a contentious back and forth, yada, yada, about, oh, I'm going to threaten to cover the, I'm going to threaten to shut the government down. And then he goes, no, no, I'm going to threaten to shut the government down. Back and forth, round and round we go. And at the end of the day, I wonder if this military spending and the fact that Trump so easily flip-flopped on it and is now adding another, you know, whatever, $17 billion on top of the $733 billion that they originally wanted for the budget does have to do with his statement that he says, look, if you don't want to fund it, I'll just have the military do it. And you had the military members, I don't think it was Mathis, I think it was somebody else, saying, oh, well, you know, it's not in the plans, but actually we do have the ability to put funds together that would go towards building a wall. You know, emergency border uh, fences. We've done it before. We can do it again. So is, you know, the extra $13 billion enough to build the wall in the southern border? I'm sure it is. I can't say that I'm for it. I think it's a colossal waste of money, but I'm sure Trump could achieve it. But the political theater here is interesting, and I actually really like the fact that they had this little argument out in the open. Like, I really dig that. Consider the fact that everything happens behind closed doors, you know, all this negotiating, all these soft peddling, all these deals being made, shady bullshit goes on, all this pork barrel, because, you know, like, they're putting in so much pork barrel spending into into this bill that they're trying to get through in this lame duck session, which I doubt, I don't think they're going to pass it either way, but... You know, they're they always shoehorning stuff in here and the concessions made, you know, if Trump's base or the Democrats base knew the knew the things that were actually being agreed upon that are being just kind of slipped in there under the cover of night, they'd be outraged because that would reveal, you know, pulled the curtain back, reveal that the, uh, the uh, Wizard of Oz is a, a cripply old man who doesn't give a fuck about the values of the people that elect them, but simply wants to maintain power, grow that power base, and they'll bend over backwards to accommodate each other to do it. And that certainly seems like what's happening here. Now, Mexico ain't going to pay for this wall. That's for certain. But it certainly seems as though the Democrats have chosen to let this particular battle fall by the wayside as much as they might publicly hem and haw about it. It seems as though it's going to go through. But either way... I'm a big fan of seeing this play out and seeing people argue in the Oval Office. And then it's just funny to see, too, like Trump, he's enjoying it. Like, this is his show. This is his arena. And frankly, Schumer and Pelosi are idiots for going in there, not realizing that he was just going to completely eviscerate them in the public eye by by sitting there. Now, the Democratic base won't care. The never Trumpers won't care because they're already against him. But for undecideds, for people that are sitting in the middle, watching Trump just beat their heads in verbally, reinforce his positioning, you know, it's a wall. We need a wall. It's It was fun to watch. Even though I don't agree with it, it was fun to watch because they were both, both Schumer and Pelosi were freaking out saying, oh, we shouldn't do this here because they knew in real time. You can see on their faces, they knew in real time how badly they were getting beaten down. So more of that, please. Bring it on. All right, another quick hitter. And then I want to finish up with talking a little bit about the uh, the France situation. There's just, you know, I don't know how much of you or how many of you 
How much of you? I'm really on my game tonight, huh? Uh, I don't know how many of you actually pay attention to sports. Maybe 20% of you? I don't know. I, I For some reason, I don't think libertarians are huge into sports for the most part. Although we do our own degenerate gambling show for those who do like to gamble and do like to watch sports for our uh, our patrons. But the Heisman Trophy was awarded to the University of Oklahoma quarterback named Kyler Murray. And, uh, <laughs> of course... Within an hour of this kid getting this award, people sought out old tweets when he was 14, old, 14, 15 years old and saying that, oh, Heisman winner has homophobic tweets that have surfaced. Now, these tweets didn't surface, number one. These tweets were dug up by fucking assholes with nothing better to do than try to destroy a kid's life who, for all intents and purposes, has done nothing homophobic, has done nothing uh, sexist or racist or against any specific group, as far as I know of, other than saying a one word that was taboo. You know, like you can't say the word queer. You can't say the word fags. And that's what it was. It wasn't like he said something along the lines of, hey, let's go out and kill all the gays. No. He said something along the lines of, Hey, you guys are fags for whatever, going to see a movie he didn't like, something like that, calling calling his buddies fags online. And not that I want to about South Park again. South Park did that whole episode on how the definitions and meanings of words do alter over time. And to pull these tweets out of context and say that this kid's harboring some big LGBTQ hatred on what could be the greatest day of his life is so despicably underhanded and unnecessary that it makes you want to fucking puke. I honestly, I mean, if if you're the, at that newspaper or at whatever, whatever the first report was, I don't even know who found it first. Whatever scumbag organization found it first. If you're running that, if you're paying that person, you should get fired. If you're the editor, you should be fired. It's uh, it's non-news. A 14-year-old kid calls somebody a fag online, what, twice? Because it wasn't like there were 75 tweets. It wasn't like, you know, he's caught on tape like the old Eagles wide receiver calling somebody a nigger. No, these are two, maybe three tweets sent seven years ago. Get over it. Stop dredging up meaningless bullshit from the past and trying to ruin people's lives to forward your self-aggrandizing bullshit agenda. All right, let's get into France and then I'm going to go lie on the couch and uh, drink some more hot tea. So I'm sure all of you know what's going on in France. You've got massive protesting in the streets, violent protesting in the streets, of course, which I do not condone in any way. You should not be damaging private property. I don't care how grand your cause is. You should not be affecting people that have nothing to do with your cause by smashing their windows of their stores, by flipping their cars and setting them on fire, by doing all sorts of other acts of violence that are just meaningless and are hurting people that have nothing to do with the, with the situation. That being said, there's one time in my life I guess after the original uh, French Revolution where they decided to uh, to hang all the elites that were keeping them downtown and erect those lovely guillotines. Happy Bastille Day, everybody. I'm not sure when it is, but in advance. <laughs> since then, since the French found liberty way back when, it seems like they were a bit on a severe downward trajectory. And that involves all sorts of things like massive welfare states, massive unions, the shortest work week I think of any country in the world, shortest working hours, most benefits, most time off for pregnancy, all sorts of things that just emphasize how much this welfare state expanded. And it just takes up a massive amount of their GDP. 
It takes up a massive amount of their healthcare spending. And France, by the way, had a healthcare crisis a few years ago, which I'm not even sure is resolved yet, wherein their healthcare system was completely bankrupt. I know, big surprise. And now what we're seeing is finally a protest in regards to what's been done with climate change. And I've been saying this to people for years, all these climate change proponents who say what's happening and we have to do something about it now. And it has to be done from a top-down scenario where the government regulates the shit out of everything because they have to do it. Otherwise people are going to die. You know, it's like they don't understand. And, and God, I'm going to talk about Southwark 12 times today in the South Park's episode about global warming, where they acknowledged it was a real thing, which pissed me off. They had man bear pig in there. And they, basically signed a deal at the end of the episode where Man Bear Pig, who is the embodiment of global warming uh, per Al Gore, signs a contract and they they say, okay, well, we don't feel like giving up soy sauce and uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, which is what Man Bear Pig wanted in order to stop global warming. And the people of South Park refused to do it. And of course, he said, they're signing this contract. He goes, okay, and Man Bear Pig gets all of the children in the third world. That line... Again, exposed the ignorance of the people writing South Park, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Uh, just made me so furious because we're seeing the results play out when you have these kind of policies. The reason these people are rioting in France is because you have the people that are at the bottom rung getting hit with the highest fees. People that are driving around working, you know, just everyday jobs that are getting impacted by these massive tax increases to combat, quote unquote, global warming, which we still don't even have any fucking proof that these grand predictions are ever going to come true because none of the models have ever been right or even close to being right. But you have these elites, which are not touched by any of the regulations, making the policies that then impact the lower classes. It's just like these soda taxes. People say, you know, again, these fucking condescending, we know so much, we're so smart Democrats, put forth soda taxes, put forth all these other taxes, which impact the poorest people the most. But if you're putting forth a gas tax... Who's, whose income is going to be most affected by that gas tax? It's not the guy making $300,000 a year driving the Maserati. It's the guy making $25,000 a year driving the, uh, the beat-up old pickup truck. Vastly more money is coming out of his income by that $0.10 cents a gallon raise in the gas tax. I'm surprised people in California who voted, by the way, to keep our gas tax. Our gas tax went up like 30%, not 30%, $0.30 cents a gallon. Something like that. And these goddamn assholes in this state voted to keep it. To keep it. And the money gets misappropriated and put into slush funds. It's madness. Uh, anyway, back to France. And by the way, Howie Snowden, uh, the godfather of liberty for our program, had a great line, in case you missed it, from our uh, our last drinking draft. or, or what, what, No, it wasn't a drinking draft. It was some other show. Actually, I think it was a Patreon-only show. But... Saying that it would be great to trade all the people that voted for the gas tax in California for all the people rioting against the gas tax in France. <laughs> although, pardon me. Although, <clears throat> the problem is that while I'm very happy to see people rioting against this elitist taxation plan they have that'll, uh, you know, for the quote unquote greater good that ignores all the damage. Oh, sorry, I got off tangent. I'm a little loopy, guys. I'm a little loopy at cough medicine. Sorry, the point I was trying to make about the third world children is that all of these policies that they put out there, to kill coal off, to, to transition to uh, to solar only, those have real world consequences for places like the third world that don't have the infrastructure to, to support wind farms. They don't have dams. They don't have hydroelectric going through there. 
they have to have coal. They need to have the cheapest fossil fuel they can find to get that economy kickstarted, to get people's costs of living down, to get their lives improved to the point where that they can transition into something cleaner. You can't just unilaterally say, nope, no coal, people. You got to spend the most amount of money on solar and on uh, wind power, which Germany did, by the way. And you know what happened to their fucking energy bills? They went to like, 120 euro to 300 euro. They tripled because of this asinine horseshit. And again, who is that hitting? Is it hitting the rich elites in Germany or is it hitting the people that are working class the hardest? So you got the same situation in France. And there's people out riding saying, we're not going to take it anymore. We're pushing back against this, this climate agenda that Macron, who was the golden boy and still is the golden boy to the media, we're pushing back against this shit. And so Macron has canceled the fuel tax increase. That's great. Although they're still expecting more violent protests because here's the problem. Here's why I would not swap people in California for people in France necessarily. Then again, they're, they're, they're probably the same assholes. Uh, maybe the people here are even worse. I don't know. But the people in France are still rioting because they don't want just a cut in the gas tax. No, no. They want more wage hikes too. They want expansion of benefits for the working people. So you've got a situation where you already have a nation that is, it's going to blow past the, uh, I think the euro is an agreed on like 3% of your GDP. You can't get over that threshold uh, for your budget deficits. And France is going to smash through that if they agree to these, these demands from these people. But you've got a situation where you're finally seeing France wake up to how they're being fucked. And you had UK wake up to how they were being fucked too, but it looks like that's not even going to happen. Looks like Brexit's going to be canceled because the elites that run the country say no after the vote. It's crazy. But you've got these French people revolting for the for the proper reason against undue taxation in the name of some pie-in-the-sky concept that's unprovable at this point. Meanwhile, they're also demanding more free handouts from the government. Where's that going to come from? Is it going to come out of thin air? No. You either have to tax the shit out of people to pay for all these freebies that you're giving out, or you got to give up those freebies and have more personal liberty, but you're now on the hook to make your own bones, man. I mean, I think France is where the phrase, let them eat cake, came from, but I'm not sure where the phrase, they want their cake and they want to eat it too, came from. Because <laughs> it seems that's what applies here. They, they want everything and have no concept of how to pay for it. So it leaves us with the question, is this the end of social democracy in France? Will this be the little, uh, the matchstick that falls into the powder keg and starts these explosions all over Europe, which of course I highly doubt, or will we see the European Union simply changed the rules to allow countries to go deeper and deeper in debt to pay for these unreasonable and ridiculous demands from populations that simply are too content to get handouts from their government and have no intention of paying for them. Because I think the latter is far more likely. Okay, that's going to do it. My throat is absolutely killing me. All right, guys, thank you for listening in to this episode Thank you for your support. Remember, go check out Dan Smotz's designs for us. Go to the lionsofliberty.store. Check out all our t-shirts, all our sweatshirts, all everything. If you want to join our awesome Patreon, which you should for all of the crazy content we put out there, man, go to Lions of Liberty. Excuse me, not Lions of Liberty. Go to patreon.com forward slash 
Lions of Liberty. That'll do it. So from me, Brian McWilliams from Lions of Liberty, and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to Liberty. <laughs>